Tactical Transition Navigating the Civilian Frontier Mastering Career Strategies Sharpening Networking Tools and Creating a Successful Transition Plan Welcome to this week's edition of Tactical Transition. I am here, as always, with my battle buddy, my forever battle buddy, Michelle Lewis. How are you doing today, Michelle? Yeah, Cindy, it is an absolutely beautiful day. Once again, I come to this podcast excited and ready to go. I think today, these are just two of my favorite guests. That's just all I'm going to say. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. And the reason that's funny, folks, is because uh, we are the guests. Michelle and I are going to share with you a little bit of information that we share with our clients and in our classrooms. You know, the funny thing is, is as we are here in, I can't even believe we're at the, the end of January. As everyone knows, we record these podcasts and we're already at the end of January of 2024. I can't even believe that we're preparing for our classes. We have classes coming up, these seminars coming up in February and March. It's just happening all so fast. And I just wanted to make sure that we are not letting time go too fast and not addressing a lot of the questions that Michelle and I get from people messaging us on our website, messaging us on LinkedIn. And so we're going to take some some of the, the opportunity, if you will, from these podcasts to talk to you, the audience, about some of our expertise as we want to help you at, in your transition from your military career into your civilian career. So when Michelle said that's her two favorite guests, we're the guests. So yes, that's very nice. We're our, we're our favorite people. But, uh, Cindy, you know, I think this is going to be critical. And, and of course, I, I believe that because you and I make a a very strong effort to always stay on top of the latest movement and trends and the HR policies and processes. One thing that we say often to our class is, yes, this is going to feel like you're drinking from a fire hose because as they're transitioning out of, you know, something that is very normal to them into something that is very abnormal to them, often we'll hear people say, oh, it's just so much information or I need to come take this class again. And yes, you should take it more than once, but I think the critical part of us doing this podcast is then you and I get the opportunity to go back and touch on a subject or two that all they'll have to do is come to the podcast just to get a quick refresher, for, you know, as they start to transition. So I am, I'm excited about doing this, but I also, I think it's a very valuable thing for our audience. Absolutely. And Michelle and I try very hard to make sure that we're giving you, the transitioning service member, the tools that you need. We we do not claim to be the one and only resource. We try to connect you with other resources, but indeed we are a resource. This is our expertise, both of us. For me, it's been almost a decade. And for Michelle, 17 years we're involved in this. And, you know, it's we have a lot of information to pass on to you. So any way that we can, any tool that we can use to get this information to you, we want to do it 
whether it's our website, whether it's our LinkedIn, whether it's webinars, whether it is the podcast, we want to make sure that you have every opportunity to learn what we know. And, and as Michelle said, I think the most important thing about what Michelle said is we are current. We keep you current. We have our, our finger on the pulse of the hiring community and we're listening to what they're saying. So we know the information that we're giving you is what's actually happening now. It's not five years old, 10 years old, because we all know trends. They Absolutely. change, they change like you change your, your, your hairstyle. So, it, so it Cindy, is, yeah. let's dive in. What do you want to talk about today? Well, I think the most important thing that we can start off this series with is to talk about resumes because you know, Love it. you know, as good as I do that resumes are the thing that just stresses every job candidate out. They are always stressed about, about resumes. And I think we can take away some of that stress. So let's, I, I let's agree. start let's there. Dive in. Let's dive in. So the first thing that, that I want to talk about with resumes and that, that I want you to address, Michelle, is encouraging the candidate to not stress about the resume. Why should they not stress about the resume? What can we say to them to take that off their shoulders? So, you know, we, when we're teaching our class, we talk network until we're blue in the face. And I can honestly say that the podcasts that we've done up to this point, just about every guest that we've brought on has talked about network, network, network. And very rarely do you hear our guests say, and if your resume isn't on point, you're going to miss it completely. Yet, when we step into the classroom, and, and, and it's often we say, what is it that you want to learn from this class today? Boom. Resume is one of the top things folks ask for. And it is important. Let's not undersell it, but also let's not oversell resumes. The resume has to support the conversations that you've already brought to the table with your networks. And the odds are your networks already know those conversations. And so. For our audience, which is that transitioning service member who's dedicated 20 years plus, they have developed that professional reputation and that's going to lead the charge here. And that's what we need to go off of is let your professional uh, reputation lead the charge and your resume then technically is going to be a check in the box for the HR team that has to have it on file. So when we have Folks, and Cindy, you know, you and I have spent hours on Zoom or on the phone with service members who have come through our class, and they want to talk resume, 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 which is fantastic, but they've got so much stress and so much anxiety and getting that document just perfect, and then you and I find out that they have not interacted with people and they've not been touching base with their networks, and so obviously we'll spend time fixing that resume. But it is all about the network. The resume simply needs to be the validation that what you're telling them, the the reputation you're bringing to the table is simply validated in that sheet of paper. And so that's how, that's what I think some, from me, the most important thing to bring to the table when building the resume. Something we've often told our team is resume gets you the interview. The interview gets you the job. So if we, our resume needs to hit the strong points of the job that we're applying for, 
so that it encourages them to say, listen, I've talked to this person. I know their professional reputation. I know what they've done. I now have this document that proves what they've done. And now let's go into the interview. And again, the interview is going to get get that job. So that for me, that's the most important takeaway. What what about you? What do you think in that regard? I think that that's perfect the way you said that. that Everyone should think about this. Your resume is just validating everything that you should have up to this point talked to your networks about. They should already know basically what your resume is before you ever hand it to them. So it's just validation and it is oftentimes the the necessary evil of the HR that they have to have it to say, okay, yes, they're meeting the skill set. Yes, they have the education that we're looking for. Yes, they have the years of experience we're looking for. Sometimes it's just as simple as that. So that validation is what you're looking for in your resume. And that's why I want people to understand, you know, we we get them in class and they're like, I don't know how to write a resume. I just don't want that stress to be on them. Like that's the end I'll get all because nobody has ever lost a role, a opportunity if they've done the other stuff like networking because their resume wasn't wasn't the perfect resume. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's a such thing as a perfect resume. Oh no, I just really be. don't. I mean, there just no. is no such thing as a perfect resume. It just has to, as you said, it has to answer the question. The job posting is the question. The resume is the answer. So, mm-hmm. so let's not stress about it. And so let's understand that purpose of the resume. The resume is meant to prove your qualifications to that employer. It's to tell your story that is relevant to that job description. I often say you want to tell your story, but not your life story. Only the stuff that is relevant to the job you're applying for, making sure that you're honing in. So why don't you talk about that for just a a few minutes, making sure that we understand, maybe talk about it in terms of a chronological resume as opposed to a sure. combination resume. So, so you're right. You know, there is there's often the mistake that in a resume, I need to show you everything I've ever done in my professional history. And well, a couple of things can happen should you do that. One, you've just handed me a 12 page resume and I'm not going to read it. Right. Two, you've just handed me Every qualification that you have acquired in the last 20 years, and as I read this, I think this person is overqualified for this job. And what is the problem with being an overqualified candidate? Well, one, I might not be able to pay you the range that I think you may be asking for, even though that, even though you've already done your homework and you're thinking, no, 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 I'm good with this pay. Yeah, but your document just out, outdid you, right? And then the, the next thing is, you know, it's often like when, when you're briefing somebody in a, in a military brief and that senior leader has asked you a specific question. They expect that you answer their question, not that you tap dance around every single other subject, you know, that is in the military. They just want the answer to that question. So your resume does not have to capture your entire professional history. It has to capture the professional history that shows that you are a qualified candidate for the job that you are applying for. So once again, the job description is the question. Your resume should be the answer. That job description says, can you, have you, are you able to, and your resume should say, yes, I have done this. Yes, I can do this. And I am clearly able to do this. And when we can plug those in across the board like that, 
then you are a qualified candidate. The rest of it comes in the interview. So don't feel obligated to cover everything you've ever done in your resume. Just hit those high points. And I think that's important too to understand that because you touched on this just briefly there, but when you turn a resume into someone, they want to know that you understand what they're asking you to do in the job they have posted. Mm -hmm. So if you just talk about all the stuff you've done and it's not relevant to what they need you to do, then their first thought, my first thought as a hiring manager is, well, they're really not understanding what this job is. And that's, that's a whole nother. So I may not wait, waste my time. And that's a terrible way to put it. But as a hiring manager, you're very busy. You get hundreds and hundreds of resumes, you may not waste your time on that person. If you think they don't even understand what this job is, I'm going to move on to the next. So it's important to just touch on the things that are important to show that you're able to do that job. The other thing you were talking about is the overqualification. And here's what I have actually heard. I've been talking to a lot of HR people, a lot of hiring managers. And one thing that I've heard about their fear of hiring our senior military veterans is there is an idea that they're going to take a job and it's their first job after working for the same company for 20 to 30 years, being the arm, you know, the military, being being mm-hmm. the military, they've worked for that same company. They're going to come out and take this job just to get their feet wet and move on to the next job. So if you make yourself seem overqualified and like you said, oh, well, they're, they're not going to, I'm not going to be able to afford them. And you're saying, well, no, no, I'm good with that pay. But then they're thinking, are you just using this as a stepping stone? So you have to be prepared to talk about that as well. And that's something you can show in your resume when you start really honing in. If you can make your resume reflect the job posting, they're like, this is the job they want. This is the job they want instead of, talking about that. So not letting yourself seem overqualified for a job that you truly are overqualified for, but it's the job you want. So I think that's important. Now I want to go back and I want you so, to touch. Oh, do you want to add something to that? No, no. So, you know, go ahead. Cause, cause when you were, we were just talking, you had mentioned chronological and different formats. And I think you certainly could cover on, but the, and, and I'm just going to touch and go on it. Use that chronological resume if you are staying in the field that is very similar than the one that you are leaving. And the reason we want to do that is because as I start to review your resume, the very first job entry or job experience entry that I read about you is so close to what I'm going to be asking you to do that I'm instantly, you know, hammered and saying, this is the person, this is the one I'm looking for. So definitely stick with that chronological if we're staying in the same field or close to the same field. But if we're switching fields, you're going to need a combination resume and you're going to need to highlight your skill sets more than necessarily the titles of the job or the current job you've been in. So I just wanted to touch that before we started to move on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I want to pop back and talk about our favorite, favorite, favorite thing that we talk that we beat this horse to death is the networking. Because I want to make sure before we move on and talk about format and, you know, what the resume should look like, everybody's so worried that their resume isn't going to look right. Before we get there, I want to talk about the importance of networking because I want to make sure my goal is for our service members to understand that they should not be relying on their resume to get a job. 
networking is very important. And I'm going to have you touch on that. And maybe even we can even reach back and, and tell our listeners, you know, go back and listen to our interview with Brady. Mm-hmm. Brady talks about how he didn't send one resume out and was getting all these interviews and it was from the networking. But talk about that, the importance of of the networking over the resume. Not that sure. resume is not important, but why is networking more important? Sure. And another one I would encourage you to go back and listen to is Bill. Bill yeah. didn't even know he was in an interview. I mean, <laughs> exactly. you know, and, and so, but, but he was network, network, networking. And, and, you know, I was recently talking to a transitioning service member and I said, Hey, let me ask you, have you been out kissing babies and shaking hands? And he, and he chuckled and he goes, well, it sounds like politics. And I said, no, that's where we need to be. That's that mindset you need to be. And it was a little bit difficult for this particular veteran because they moved back to a place that they have not been to in, you know, many, many years. This was a homestead, but they hadn't been stationed there in a while and it wasn't anywhere close to a military base. So your reputation, your military reputation stayed back at the base that you just left. And so you are starting from scratch handing somebody a resume or sending somebody a resume, okay, that might be nice. They may say, thank you for your service. But if you're not having these face-to-face conversations, these networking opportunities, what's going to happen in this situation is you're moving to a town that is predominantly civilian businesses, right? And a lot of those folks have born, have been born and raised and grew up there. So their reputations know each other. They know that, that Billy is Johnny Joe's cousin who is now applying for this job, right? And I'm not saying it's a good old boy network. That's not what I'm, I'm, I'm insinuating here. What I'm insinuating is they already know their professional reputations but they don't know yours. So to make the assumption that a resume is going to jump you to the front of the line of people they've already encountered with or at least been introduced to, it's actually going to put you behind. You're going to get cut in line by these other folks. So what do you have to do? You've got to go shake hands. You've got to introduce yourself. You've got to ingrain yourself in your community the exact same way you did when you were in the military. So that means like you and I have talked about volunteer work that you can start working with your local veterans group, your local fire department, interact with your local chamber of commerce, but start the networking process because then when that resume comes in, they've got not only a name to, to a face to the name, They've got a voice to that face as well. And so it is critical. I cannot stress it enough. It is critical that you interact with folks that you network, network, network. Now, I want to touch a little bit here because, you know, it is a resume and you've got to write it and you need to know the format. But here's what I, I do know right now. I have talked to so many HR representatives, hiring managers and asked this question. What format do you prefer? And I get a different answer all the time. So that tells me that there is no one format that works. So this is my advice. My advice to the service member is 
don't worry about the format. Just make sure that you have key points in your resume. And those key points, in my opinion, is obviously you start with your contact information. You need to have a professional summary. And that professional summary, and I'm going to take a moment and steal Michelle's line here. This is your movie trailer. This is the highlights of who you are. This is your your moment to shine and tell what is the best of the best about you working for a company. What do you bring? What's the most important things you bring? And that's going to be that paragraph. Then you need to have your bulleted most important skills that you bring to the table. And you want to make sure that you then are following with that experience, whether you have that as a chronological or if you have it in skill format, like your your project manager, and then you give your your experience in that skill. And then your education, of course, because most jobs are going to have an educational demand. So you want to put it on there, but I've seen all different kinds of formats. You might have it where you have blocks on a page and here's your, you know, you have your education just listed over here or maybe your experience listed, but then you have your, your skills, you know, put in a table. You may not even talk about your education until the very end of the resume, whatever it is. Don't focus on worrying so much about what the format is, as long as the key points are in there. We had somebody give us a resume to look over that I had never seen a format like that before, but I liked it. I was like, oh, this is a really, as, as a hiring manager, I was like, this is really interesting. I like this. And I sent it to an HR friend of mine and they're like, I've never seen this either, but I really like this resume as long as you're, because what it was is they were getting their points across very well didn't matter about the format. So I don't want you as the the candidate getting caught up on what format you're using. People will look at your resume when you give your resume to people for them to give you their opinion. You're going to get the opinion. And some may say, well, I don't think this is the right format. That opinion, disregard. (laughs) Disregard that because if you feel comfortable that that resume is, is representing you, the format is the least important thing. Just make sure your sections, you know, are very clear and, and set apart, but whatever format you use, I, I, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on that. How do you feel about the format? Oh, no, I think you are spot on and not only representing you, but again, answering the question. So let me go back and just touch on what you just, you just gave, I, I hope I counted this right. Five areas, and and this is what you need to focus on. And so, I want to touch on those five areas, and just kind of kind of give you you the listener this thought process. When we know the why of of every every section of our resume, then it, it tends to be a little easier to build. So, Cindy, you opened up with contact information. Well, the why is who are you, and how do I get a hold of you? So that's, it's the simplest part of your resume. Who are you? How do I get a hold of you? And, and where, what's your LinkedIn profile telling me? So that's your contact information. Your second section, like you said, the professional summary, which is also where those skills are embedded. Yes, it is your movie trailer. It's going to hit the best of the best about you. But let me expand that a little bit more. The best of the best about you relevant to the position you're applying for, because Remember, we talked about overqualified. You don't want to give them every single top skill you have. You want to give them the top skills you have 
relevant to the job that you're applying for. So that's the purpose of the professional summary is when the reader, i.e. that HR manager is reading it, they're, the question they're asking themselves when they read that section is, are you qualified? So think of that when you write that professional summary and then go back and say, did I answer the question, am I qualified? Now, this isn't the section where we're proving the qualifications. We're just telling them we're qualified. That's the purpose. That's the why of the professional summary. The next section, Cindy, you mentioned was the job experience. That section is where you have to prove it. So you up in your professional summary, you gave me all these wonderful skills in that professional experience section. Now you need to prove it. And this is where those star statements are embedded that we teach in our class. So this is where we've got the action quantification results statements. But again, something I've noticed some people forget is they embed those skills in their professional summary. And then they never write a bullet on those skills. So make sure that whatever you've got in your professional summary, you somewhere underneath in that job experience, you've proven that you have that skill. And then the last section, like you were talking about, Cindy, is where did you learn this? And and it was there a course that shows me your level of expertise. So it could be in your education section, it could be a, a degree, but it also might be certifications, right? right? And so we need to in, 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 in make sure that we're covering that. So if you know the why, so who am I? Am I qualified? Prove that you're qualified. And then tell me where you got those qualifications from. If you understand each of those sections, then you can write it. But more so, you can decide, again, going back to what you were saying, format, you can decide what is the most important thing you want them to know, and you change the format. Because like I said, Cindy, sometimes we see the education as the last entry on their resume, but sometimes I see it, it's right underneath their summary. And that would tell me that that is an absolute for that job. And they wanted to make sure that before you got any further, you knew I had what you were looking for. So you've got to determine, you, the writer, you have to determine what does the reader need to know about you in what order of operation. Don't don't get all tangled up in the book said it has to be this. Just get tangled up in the five categories that you need to show, and then you put them in there however you think is fit. Yeah, exactly. And like when we talk about that professional summary, don't forget underneath the summary, you should have your bulleted list that ta- mm-hmm. you can create a table in Word and create bullets. And the reason for that, because you're like, well, I'm, I summarized it up here and I'm talking about it in my experience, because the first person who looks at your resume is going to spend about 10, 10 to 15 seconds looking at it and may, maybe not even that much. And those bullets allow them to find everything they need very quickly. So whatever the skills are most important in the job posting, you want to make sure they're bulleted. And that can also include your education. If they are very, if the, if the job posting is very hot about a master's degree in business or whatever, you can put that as a skill. And like if you're, if it's project management and you have your PMP, Put that in your your actual skill list and always include your certification number because they will check that. But yeah. So, so let me ask you something on this, Cindy. It's from, from an HR side and we're, we're looking at executive level resumes. Share with the audience how many 
roundabout, you know, we, there's never a absolute, but <laughs> roundabout, how many skills should they have in that table setting? If we're talking the, the executive management level, if that's mm-hmm. the, the upper management and executive level, which is who our, our client is, our listener is, you want to have a, a three and four. So a three column, four, four bullets. So that's 12. You, you can go 15. You can go 15. And this is when I would go 15. If you are going to include any certifications or say you have experience with, say you want to be in data or you want to be a code, you know, something doing with coding and you know Python, that's going to be a skill. So if you have to add education or certifications, go with 15. Also, don't forget about security clearances. Your security clearance is something you want them to see right away if that job description says they need it. And you can bullet that as well as putting it in your summary. But a solid 12, 15, if you've got to add education or certifications, that's what I would say. Perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what else should we talk about when it comes to resumes? Well, what I want to end this on, I want to encourage everyone to write their resume. Now I'm going to tell you right now, I am not here to say that people who have businesses where they are writing resumes and that's their business. I mean, Michelle and I are qualified to do that. But what I want to say is I would encourage you to write your own resume because this is your story. It's sort of like, it always reminds me, you know, from an author standpoint of being, of like hiring a ghostwriter. There's nothing wrong with having a ghostwriter if that's what you want to do. But when it's a really personal story, do you really want someone ghostwriting the story for you if it's super personal to you? This is your resume. This is your career story. You don't need somebody else to write it. Now, it's perfectly fine to have people review even professional resume writers and let them, if, you know, they might want to wordsmith it a little bit or they might want to clean up the format, that's fine. But when it comes to the writing of the resume, the actual meat and potatoes, I'm quoting Michelle again, the meat and potatoes of it, no one's going to know it better than you. And I'm going to tell you as a hiring manager, I can pick out a bought, I call them a bought resume and mm-hmm. you give me a bunch, you give me 15 resumes and one of them is, is paid for. I can pick it out of the bunch. Oh yeah. Every single absolutely. time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I agree with you that it is a great idea to have somebody contribute to, to, to taking your foundational document and helping you take it to the next level. That's, that's, and, and I have to tell you, I love doing that with folks, but when it comes to creating the actual document, I totally agree with you, Cindy, because what some people don't realize is when it gets to that interview phase, this may be based on your resume. This interview may have questions specifically extracted from your resume. And you want to know that document like the back of your hand, and it needs to be you to your core so that when somebody says, hey, listen, I I was reading on your resume that you, and they pull a bullet directly off your resume, you're going to know exactly where they got it from and exactly what you were thinking of when, when they pulled that bullet. And you will be able to expand on that story because going into that interview, which is another subject we can talk about on another podcast, going into that interview, it's storytelling time. 
And so you, you'll be able to go right into that story. That's what's also important about writing your own resume, too, is you are going to target your resume towards each individual job that you are applying for. And mm-hmm. I have seen folks, I've seen this, where they have one that they paid for, so they just send it to every applicant that or every job application that they're putting in. And, and that is not how you're going to find the job that's best fit for you. That is not how you're going to find it. So again, Yes, there is never a one and done resume. This is a living document. Yeah, exactly. And, and plus, you know, things like uh, with your resume in conjunction with the, with the, the job posting, we talk about tailoring that and you're talking and you're talking about during the interview, they may extract things. You want to be sure that in your discovery of the job and in your networking, you found out what problems they have, what they really need to be solving. And you can find a time in your career that you did that and put that in your resume. And that story will come out in the interview. And that's what's going to set you apart from other candidates. Because you have to think about this. That is the whole point of this job search, this candidate adventure, if you will, is to make yourself the person, that you're going to be their person. You're going to be the person they've been looking for. What sets you aside from the other 30, 40 candidates that applied for that position? Sometimes hundreds of people who've applied for that position. You're always looking to stand out and your resume should stand out too. And the only way to make your resume stand out is to make it personal. I can't write your resume and make it personal for you. And I can write a good resume. personal. Right. That's what I mean. Right, I, right, can't right, write, right. I can write a, a good resume. I can write, I can write a very good resume. I'm very good at this, but I can't make it personal for you because right. I haven't lived your experiences. So anyone who tells you, Oh, I can write your resume that probably they can write a very good resume, but it's not going to be your resume then. And then right. if you have to take that resume and personalize it, you may have wrote, written it yourself in the first place. Well, and I I will tell you this. I know a lot of guys, and so do you. I know a lot of guys, and I use that term interchangeably. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're Southern Um, girls. Guys are, guys are, that's just everybody. That's everybody. Who has (laughs) hired somebody to write their resume and has got a job very, very quickly. And I'll tell you right now, it's because they were networking. They were networking. They were networking. And the resume just was to check the box that the HR team needed to have on file in case the company was audited. They have all of their a professional paperwork that's required for that candidate. And that so, is 100% uh, yeah. the truth. I mean, again, yeah. so let's go back to our original original beginning of this. Do not stress over the resume. You need to have a resume. You need to understand the message and the messages. You need to answer the question. The question is the job posting. So right. don't stress about it. It's not even in my eyes the most important thing for job search because I will tell you so many people that I know, so many people that already had the opportunity through networking before a resume was ever put on anybody's desk. So I'm going to close out by just saying a a couple things that I've seen absolutely don't do this. Okay. (laughs) So the do not do and the do not do is do not try to take so much of the military out of your resume that you remove, people can't even see that you've served. So don't worry about civilianizing it so much because you're, you're trying to convey yourself in their language. Certainly focus on using that corporate 
culture's language. But what you're bringing to the table as a veteran is very important and very valid. Yes, take out terminology that they're not going to understand because it's specific to the military. Take out acronyms that they won't understand. But if you worked with soldiers, then okay, say soldiers. But if you worked with soldiers and civilian counterparts, then just say your team. Just call them your team. Because in the civilian world, we don't, we don't separate two entities like that. Everybody would have been on that same team. And so call them your personnel, call them your team, but highlight all the great things you've done in the military. Show folks why they need to hire you. Yeah, exactly. And I will tell you, and this is something we'll talk about in another podcast, learning more from talking to more hiring managers, more companies, more groups, is that I'm learning that companies are looking for the veterans now. They are looking mm-hmm. because they now understand the value. And it's so funny. I was just speaking with someone from a veterans employee group, resource group, excuse me. And they were saying that all the companies, they want to find, how do we find more veterans? Because they're they're unbelievably valuable and they're seeing it. So how do we find more veterans? And I heard a conversation where they were talking about how can we get our company, our HR company, to learn how to write job descriptions that military personnel will understand, that veterans right. will understand. So we've spent all these years, these decades, Michelle and I, telling our veterans to learn the civilian language. And now we have veterans resource groups telling the companies, learn to speak the military language so they can... <laughs> They can match themselves. So it's coming full circle. It's coming around. And so don't stress about the resume. It is not going to be the most important thing you do in job search. So don't let this be a point of, of worry, a point of heaviness for you because your resume is not getting you a job. That's right. So my closing thought on this, Cindy, is kiss babies and shake hands. Start your politicking and network, network, network. When people talk to you, they realize what what your character is and what your value is and what your work ethic is. That comes across in the first five minutes of talking to you. So give them five minutes and then, then we'll get the resume to them. My, my second closing thought is reach out to me and Cindy. We will be more than happy to help you if you hit a roadblock. If if you just really are at a point where you're like, this resume is driving me insane, then reach out to us and let us let us help you out a little. Absolutely. In our company, we have built so many resources. We have so so much available to you. If you go into our website at easelseminars.com, there's additional resources where you can actually get the templates for resumes that people are just typing over top of it and using it because that's really literally the importance of the the format that's how unimportant it is is that's okay i'll just use this it's just the information that's important so reach out to us continue to follow our podcast follow our blogs if you get an opportunity to attend one of our classes please please do that we are here to help you this is our passion project and we've been doing it for a long time and we want to continue to do it for a long time. And we want to help as many transitioning service members as we can be successful and find that dream job. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate your time, and we will never waste it. And to our transitioning military veterans, our focus is to bring you the aim small, miss small concept and hone your focus into each transition process step. Until next time. This has been the Tactical Transition Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to push the follow button on our podcast and subscribe to ESELseminars.com.